0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo Del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Derek Olson in today's message. How are we doing? Good. Hey, I want you to react to something, get an initial gut reaction to something. If I came up here this morning and I said, I'm up here this morning to boast, how does that make you feel? Negative? Positive? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? Uh, what if I tell you that sometime today you're going to hear a person of influence do of some boasting? Who, do, who comes to mind? Wait, don't answer that. That was a rhetorical question. But we're going to see a person of influence uh, who is boasting today. And, and despite, I think, our initial reactions, sometimes thinking of boasting as negative, let's see what God's Word has to say. Grab your Bibles and open, if you would, to... Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, the last chapter in our study of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, if you uh, don't have your own Bible with you, you're welcome to the one underneath the seat in front of you there, and you can turn to page 1171, is where you'll find uh, the book of Galatians in our Bible, page 1171, and again, we're going to start in a few moments at chapter 6 verse 1, and while you get there, let me pray for us. Father God, we put ourselves before you this morning. God, I pray that that would be a daily occurrence for me and for my friends here. Father, would you draw us to you? Would you bring us to your feet? God, would we grow as we grow in you? Would we increase in the way that we seek you in everything and submit to you in everything? And Father, we thank you for your word that's here in our Bibles, for us to hear from you. Would you open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're actually this morning going to be finishing our series, uh, studying the book of the Bible called Galatians. Uh, we've called our series A gospel-saturated life. We're studying through this book called Galatians. It's a letter written by a leader in the early church, the Apostle Paul, to a group of Christians in a place called Galatia. And we're calling this gospel-saturated life because this is our desire. Hopefully, as individual followers of Jesus and, and as a church family, our desire would be to be so soaked in the gospel, to be saturated and understanding it more and more, that it would change us, and that, it, that God would use it to move out of us to others around us. And, and the gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done. The gospel is the good news that we're a mess on our own, and that despite that, because of his great love, God came and got us and rescued us and forgave us and made us right with him in, through Jesus. So we want to be so saturated with the gospel that, it's, that, we're, that we're increasingly understanding it, That we realize our right place with God because of it, and that because of if we if it would really be good news to us, then we would we would have no choice. We would want so much for those around us to hear about that good news uh, from God through us. So that's our desire with this series. And as we uh, as God wants to send us out, are we on our own? Now, just last week, if you were here, as we studied Galatians chapter five. That uh, Fred taught us through Galatians 5, and it included a couple verses, like that we can walk by who? We can keep in step with the Spirit, that as followers of Jesus, God himself, the Holy Spirit, lives within us, and we can keep in step with the Spirit. We're not on our own to do what God has called us to do. He is with us. And um, so this is what we're going to be doing today is, We're going to be looking at our passage here in chapter 6 to see what does a Spirit-filled life look like? What are a couple things that would be true of our lives if we're keeping in step with the Spirit? So, uh, let's grab Bibles. Hope you got it open already. Keep your finger there all throughout our time together because we're going to read some verses together and then talk about them and read some verses, etc. So keep it open and and keep your finger in the Bible there. Let's start with verse 1. Brothers and sisters... If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, and then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. The first thing we're going to look at this morning really is is especially in verse 1. And that's that as followers of Jesus, as we keep in step with the Spirit, we will restore. We will look to restore others. If you're a note-taking type, that's your first fill-in-the-blank there. Keeping in step with the Spirit, we as followers of Jesus will restore what, is it, what does it mean to restore? It means to help our, our fellow Christian get back on track, to set them straight. When they've gone away from what God wants for their life, we want to be used by God to restore them, to bring them back. So look with me again at verse one, and, and you give me some answers. Who does verse one say needs to be restored? Sinner. Someone caught in sin, right? Which, by the way, would be, All of us from time to time, rebellion and rebellion against God, going against his best purposes and plans for our life, uh, coming short of of what he calls us to do. And we need to restore someone who is caught in sin. Who should restore them? Who does the verse say we should go to them and restore them? Okay, yeah. All of us, someone said, those who are walking in the Spirit is what the passage we just read. Some of your Bible translations say those who are spiritual, which kind of throws us off a little bit because it sounds like that's some elite class of Christians that I can only go restore my brother if I'm a spiritual person. That's not what the text means. The text means that if you are walking with Jesus, if you have the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, so if you're a follower of Jesus, you are to restore a fellow Christian who is, uh, Who needs to be restored? Who is in sin? And then one more question for you, based on verse 1. If we go to someone to restore them from being caught in their sin, how should we address it? How should we handle it? Gently. God wants to use you and I, followers of Jesus, to help restore one another, to set one another back on track, to set them straight so they may walk more closely with God. And we are to do that gently. And as we do that, this is one of the ways that we bear one another's burdens. That was also in our scripture passage we just read. This is a way when we seek to restore one another or when we ourselves are open to being restored by someone else. This is a way that we are bearing one another's burden, the weight of sin. When you think about when you're stuck in sin, particularly when it just keeps happening over and over and you seem to can't get free, that weight, that burden of that sin, this is our opportunity Church family, Christian to Christian, to bear one another's burden, to restore them out of that weight, to restore them to the way that God would want them to live. And we would do that by going to them, helping them recognize their sin, urging them to repent, to seek to turn away from that sin and turn to God, asking for forgiveness and asking for God to work and to transform and to forgive them. How important, so how important is it? This idea, I'm I'm, I'm saying the passage is asking us to restore a brother or sister who's caught in sin. Let's look at the passage on the screen here from James. How important is this idea? My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, does that sound like someone who has a sinner who's caught in sin? Someone who wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. That sounds like restoration, someone restoring them. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This idea of this need of ours to live in community with other Christians, to seek to restore them, and to be open to being restored is pretty important. Pretty important stuff. And so, we always, as we study God's word together, we don't want to just study God's word and get up and walk away and, and not be changed. And instead, let's take a moment to see what does God have for us here? Is there something that he might be saying to you or to me this morning? What can we learn? What action could we take? And I thought about that, and I, and I want to urge you and, and have you consider a couple areas. But this is what occurred to me first. If you desire, as a follower of Jesus, to, to to follow chapter 6, verse 1, and restore a sinning brother, if you are open because you want to grow in Christ to being restored when you are caught in sin, you know what needs to be in place first? We need to be in relationship with other Christians. Restoring someone else or being restored is not going to happen unless you are connected, living life among, and knowing one another, right? And coming on Sunday morning for an hour and walking out quickly and having no one know who you really are is probably not enough to, being, to living in community, to having the opportunity to know and be known. Friends, I want so much for you to have a place where you can tell the truth about your life. And here's the deal. Paseo del Rey, this is one of the things we're all about, is we want to help you develop Jesus-centered friendships so that you have that kind of uh, friendship, so that you have that kind of community around you who know you and you can be known by them. But it's not up to us. I can't connect you with fellow Christians. I, we can help. We can create opportunities. But you need to take initiative, and I urge you to find a place where you can tell the truth about your life, be prayed for, be given grace, and be urged toward God restoration so you tell me what are some ways around paseo del rey where you can connect with others growth groups what else huh that's all you got for me (laughs) what yeah when we serve together when we go shoulder to shoulder and we serve together when we join a growth group and we meet in homes and we know a smaller group of people in our church family than this large group that comes on sunday mornings any other ways Vine Life, other small group ministries around certain topics and things. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah, go into a retreat up in the mountains together. Go into someone's house and play board games together. Hey, I got one for you. Did you guys know that when worship ends this morning, you can actually hang around here for a while? No, I'm teasing. Because a bunch of you do. But not all of you do. You know that you don't have to bolt for the door? You know that your lunch will still be there in another half hour? This is an opportunity to be together and to know other human beings, particularly other human beings that know and follow Jesus. And so um, I just can't tell you and urge you enough to take initiative in this area. Don't make it up to me or Pastor Gary or Pastor Matt or our staff or our elder team. Don't put it on us to make sure that you have people to live the Christian life with. God says to restore the sinning brother. And if you're going to restore or be restored, then you've got to know some brothers and sisters in Jesus. So please do what you got to do. Stick around after church. Go to New Friends Lunch next week. Invite someone to lunch with you today. Join a growth group. Do these things. Get involved and watch what God does as you're in relationship with other Christians. With me? Okay, let's keep going. Grab your Bibles again. Now we're in verse 6. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, their sinful nature, from the flesh, from the sinful nature, they will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, they will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So as we keep in step with the Spirit, followers of Jesus, we will restore, and now in this next part of the passage we see, we will share. As followers of Jesus, as we keep in step with the Spirit, one thing that the Spirit will do in our lives is we, He will help us to share all that we have and all that we are. And in, this, and, in, and in particular, this passage is specific, instructing us in verse 6, to provide financial support for those who teach us from God's Word. And we saw in the last verse there, verse 10, to, that we are to do good to our church family to serve and to love and do good to those uh, in our church family. And again, why? This is is mutual burden bearing. This is caring for one another. This is is, uh, filling in one another's needs. This is taking weight off of one another. And because we reap what we sow... What we share and who we share with is important. And God's word in this particular passage has some instruction for us about who we share our resources with. And uh, you, you might think, um, oh man, is this awkward for Derek? Is he got to be up there talking about how he should get paid? It could be. And for a while, I think, a lot of, I think, I think many pastors struggle to teach these passages from the Bible. But you know what allows me to? Jesus talked about money an awful lot. And when Jesus talks about money, his examples are, are, are helping us to determine our commitment to him and our trust in him in every area of the life. So if Jesus has a lot to say about money, then I want to teach you what the Bible says about our money because I want you to walk closely with Jesus and trusting him in every area of your life. Are you with me? And the Bible, and besides all that, The Bible is really clear here and in many other places. Here's one. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 14 says this. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living, should make their living by the gospel. So there are many places in scripture that urge us that as teachers of God's word share with you our spiritual gift of teaching we share with you what God's helping us with. We share part of what we're learning and what our resources are with you. Then the Bible is clear that, that the people of God are to share in their finances to free up, to support financially those that do what I do. And again, this mutual sharing, this mutual burden bearing, um, should not be a grim duty. Oh, boy. I gotta give some money because nah, 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 nah. let's look at this, look with me on the on the screen at 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then look at these, look at this from God's word. Each one of us must give, and then it gives us some idea of how. Each one of us, including me, One of the ways we worship God, one of the ways we support the local church, is we give. And how? As he has decided in his heart. That gives us an idea that there's intentionality here. This isn't haphazard, random, spontaneous, just kind of whatever. It's as we trust Jesus and we want to glorify him in our lives, we each person must give as he has decided in his heart, made an intentional commitment. Then it says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So in other words, willingly. When we pass the offering plate, this is not, you're not under compulsion. No one is staring at you. No one is is keeping track. This is something that we do because we love God. And one of the ways we give back to all that he has given us is we willingly give of what he has given us. And then look at that last part of that verse on the screen. For God loves a cheerful giver. So if you have to give, and, and, and it's kind of a grim duty or a guilt trip or a reluctant deal, That's not what God is looking for. Don't give. Give when God is so at work in your life and you're so thankful for the good news and you know that everything you have is from him and you just want to be a blessing to others the way he has blessed you, then give intentionally, willingly, cheerfully, generously, sacrificially. You'll you'll notice around here, you may notice already, we don't teach tithing. You've heard the word tithing a lot, perhaps, if you've been around church before. And it's not that that's a bad thing per se. It's in the Old Testament. There's certainly a reason we should learn about what tithing means. We feel it's primarily an Old Testament principle where you give a percentage of your money. A certain percentage. But, you know, if you really want to follow the Old Testament uh, in every detail, you'd be giving 23% of your income, not 10. But we don't teach tithing. (laughs) Everybody went, whew. What we teach is... Follow Jesus, be changed by his work in your life, and as you follow him, and as he changes you, and as he moves your heart, then you can give cheerfully, sacrificially, generously, etc. You with me? Um, So when we pass the offering trays, this isn't payment for service. It's not you got some gas in your car so you pay. It's not you got some milk, so you pay. It's not you got some Jesus and some Bible this morning, so you pay. It's not that. It's not payment for services. When we pass the ter- tray in a, few, in a little bit later, it's not a tip jar. It's not dependent on how well you think I did. I don't care how well you think I did. <laughs> I'm just doing up here what God wants me to do. And then, and then we respond and worship through music and through our prayers and through our gifts. Because of what God has done. Uh, This sharing, this mutual burden bearing, you know what? It's evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. We studied last week the fruit of the Spirit. As the Spirit works in our lives, we'll increasingly demonstrate these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, etc. Remember this? I think an indicator of kindness is your giving. And as as the passage assures us about this sowing and reaping idea, it assures the Galatians. And that should be a, 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 a good feeling to us, too, that as that good results will come of our kind actions. When we are kind and we are obeying God, then there are good results as we sow what we reap. So, when again, what's an action step? Well, it's pretty straightforward. If God is moving in your life in this way and, and this is an area of growth for you, the action step, the opportunity you have to put this into action is pretty straightforward. You know, Pastor Gary was up here a few weeks ago giving you an update, just, a, just a, a, a numbers update of our current financial picture. And while the numbers of you that attend on Sunday morning have stayed remarkably consistent for a long time, we are running behind on our, on our budget monthly and for this year. And so he gave you that update so that you'll be aware You can know that the ministry, all that God's doing here at Paseo del Rey, all that God does in and through our church family is not supported by money from the government or money from the lottery. All that God is doing in our community and in the ends of the earth, in Mexico and in Belize and in Rwanda, is because of your generosity. And so it would just be a great opportunity as we study God's word this morning to ask yourselves, am I trusting God in every area of life, Am I trusting God in the area of my finances? All right, back to, the, back to the Bible, verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand? This is Paul's way of kind of going, hey, it's really me. You know, the rest of this letter might be written down by my scribe. But look now, look at these large letters. I'm, look, It's me writing to you. And here's what I want you to know. Verse 12, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised so that they can boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Now, we've been studying through Galatians for many weeks, and I don't want to, we've covered this a little bit, but just to recap. What's what's going on here is Paul is reminding them that these false teachers have come to their area. These false teachers are trying to add to Jesus. They're trying to say that Jesus himself is not enough to be saved. That, okay, it's great that you're following Jesus, but you got to also do this stuff in order to please God, in order for him to save you. And that's wrong. Okay, So the false teachers are trying to compel these non-Jewish people to do Jewish stuff and look Jewish. And we don't necessarily relate to that, but we do relate to peer pressure and trying to look like other people and do what other people do. Just to, but you know what? All that matters in regards to our salvation is Jesus. So, this message is is we see it throughout Galatians. And let me continue here. Your finger is still in the text there, verse fourteen. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. In other words, doing stuff, following certain rules, being a certain way, doesn't matter. What matters is the new creation. And this message has run throughout the letter to the Galatians. And the message of this letter, the message we've been hammering in, And studying together from God's word the past many weeks is the gospel. Is the good news that we are a mess and stuck in sin and apart from God and deserving of death. And yet because of God's great love and mercy, he rescues us, pulls us out, forgives us, makes us right with him. And gives us life now and eternal through Jesus Christ. That's the good news that we've been getting in Galatians. And that it's not about what I do. It's not about my efforts or trying harder or being a good person, but Galatians, this letter that Paul's writing to the Galatians has over and over shown us that it's not about what we do, that it's all about what Jesus has already done on the cross. And, and the way that that sounds here in our few verses here is, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, as you, if you're a follower of Jesus We restore, we we seek to restore and be restored, we share, and this is saying to us in these last few verses, as we keep in step with the Spirit, we will boast. And it sounds weird to us sometimes, because we have a negative connotation for the word boast, and we should, because if you look up boast in the dictionary, it actually says that it's excessive excessive talking and pride about who? About oneself. That's how we normally associate boasting, and so... Paul writes, may I never boast except, because we go, wait, wait, I'm supposed to boast? Isn't that a bad thing? Isn't that prideful? Isn't it selfish to boast? But he makes it clear, yeah, don't boast, except in the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul boasted in the cross because of what the cross had accomplished in his life. And friends, if if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, our salvation was accomplished at the cross, that sounds like something to boast in to me. So why boast in the cross? Isn't that an instrument of death? Isn't that a torture device? I said it sounds like a weird thing to boast in. But for Paul, the cross was not something to escape or to forget about or to deny ever happened. To Paul, as he writes this letter, the cross is the object of his boasting because instead of boasting that it comes from selfish pride and self-centeredness and boasting about my capabilities and all that I can do and what I can do to rescue myself, instead, Paul says, boast in the cross because it represents Jesus and all that he's done. Jesus, the God-man who... The God, the fully God, fully man, Jesus, the God-man, Son of God, who came, lived a perfect life that we're not capable of, died the death that we deserve to pay the penalty for our sin, and then was raised to life. That sounds like something to boast in. So keeping in step with the Spirit, we will boast We will proclaim. We will let people know what the cross means for me and for them. And you know what's good about boasting in the cross? When we boast in the cross, we can't simultaneously boast in ourselves. If God changes us so much that what we boast in is Jesus and all that he's done, We can't, at the same time, be boasting in ourselves and our abilities and all that we've done and how we match up and how we should earn God's favor. It's not possible. We can't, first of all, and as we boast in Jesus, that will be our focus. The way that Paul put it earlier in this letter to the Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20, on the screen, says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We can boast because it's not us. It's Christ at work in us. We can boast because it's not about what we've done. It's about what Jesus has done. And then our passage continued with verse 15. If you look at that again, verse 15 says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is... This is the part where you can participate. (laughs) Every once in a while I have to see if you're awake. Okay, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. In other words, conforming to cultural expectations doesn't matter. Checkbox religion, trying to do certain stuff, be a good person, come to church, read your Bible, doesn't matter in regard to your salvation. Your performance I got to perform. I got to match up. I got to be a good boy. Doesn't matter in terms of your salvation. Your efforts, your works, they don't save you. The only thing that counts, verse 15 says, is to become a new creation. And, the, and becoming a new creation comes about not by following the law, not by doing certain things, not by trying to match up on our own. Being a new creation comes by receiving the truth of the gospel. Being made into a new creation comes as we receive the free gift of salvation that God offers us in Jesus Christ. Verse 15 is contrasting and comparing false religion over here and true religion over here. Paul, as he writes those words in verse 15, is contrasting. On one hand, we have this formal external religion that's all about our own efforts to save ourselves. And over here is the cross and the new creation that comes from trusting our lives to Jesus and being transformed by God himself, the Spirit, at work in our lives. Would you rather be over there or over here? That's a big contrast that Paul just makes. Throughout this letter to the Galatians and in our passage right now, he's saying neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, doing stuff, trying to match up, being religious, doesn't matter. What counts is the new creation. And we see on the screen 2 Corinthians 5.17. These might be familiar words to some of you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a... What? What? New creation. You've been made alive where you were dead. You're being transformed where you need transformation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. In Christ means you have put yourself in Christ. You have said, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I want to be a follower of Jesus. So um, a few minutes ago when when we talked about restoring others and being restored and when we talked about sharing, I had a couple of kind of practical action steps you could do. You know, the action step, the first one was, hey, get in community. Have other Christians around you, right? And then when we talked about sharing all that God's given us, my practical action step for you was ask God if you ought to be sharing your finances in some different way. And now we come to this where as we walk by the Spirit, we will boast. And now we come to this where it's not about religion or doing stuff. It's about being a new creation. And you know what? I can't really give you an action step for becoming a new creation because it's not something you do. You can't cause yourself to be made alive. I can't just say, okay, do this, do that. Because apart from God, we're deserving of condemnation. We are children of death. But in Christ, because of God's great love that reaches down to us through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, because of his great mercy that forgives us of our sin, because of what he has done, dead people are made alive And by the work of the Spirit, we are continuing to be made new. So maybe there is an action step. Submit your life to Jesus. Give yourselves fully to him. Realize you can't do it on your own. Turn to him and say, I need you. Many of you have done this at one point or another in your life, entrusted yourselves to Jesus. Awesome. Some of you have not. Some of you have not entrusted all of your life to him. There's areas you're clinging to and holding on to and you want to be in control of and you're afraid that he'll know about. Entrust yourselves to the only one who judges justly. Admit you can't do it on your own. Acknowledge that you need him. Repent means turn away from the direction you're going and turn to him. Ask him today to forgive you, to rescue you, to transform you. He will. And if you want to know more about that, about trusting yourself to Jesus, talk to me or one of our leaders or a Christian near you, That's what we want for you. Let's look at a couple more verses. Last couple verses of our passage of this letter as we close the series here. Verse 16. Peace and mercy, excuse me, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul has been through a lot for the sake of Christ. Verse 18. The grace of of our lord jesus christ be with your spirit brothers and sisters amen if you look back at galatians chapter 1 verse 3 the letter to the galatians starts with paul's wishes for us to know god's grace and here paul's letter to the galatians in chapter 6 verse 18 ends with paul's desire that we would know god's amazing grace Why? Because grace is at the very core of the gospel that we're talking about, and we can't miss it. And here it is in a different way on the screen. For by grace you have been saved. How have you been saved? By grace and grace alone, by Jesus and Jesus alone. And this is not, the Bible says up there on the screen, it is not your own doing. It's a gift. It's not the result of your working so that no one can boast. There's that word again, kind of a different angle boast, but the same idea, right? You can't boast. You got nothing to boast in. It's not about you. You can't match up, but Jesus has already done it. So don't boast in yourself and your own abilities. Boast in Jesus and the cross of Jesus. Galatians begins and ends with a reminder of God's grace, and that's so I want, here's the last thing for you. If you're filling in the blanks, and even if you're not, here's the last thing for you. It's that the Christian life begins and continues by God's grace. What do I mean? We just read it on the screen. It's by grace you have been saved. If you're saved at all, if you've been made right with God, if you have life now and life eternal because of God, it's by his grace. And not only does grace begin our Christian life, but grace empowers you to continue to live for him. The reason you can obey and that you can have victory over some of your sin increasingly is because the grace of God is empowering you to live for him. And as we live for him, as we walk by the Spirit, we will restore and be restored. We will share and we will receive and we will boast of all that he's done. So stand with me if you would. I'd like to pray for you and me and I'd like the ushers to come and receive our gifts because one of the ways that we worship is we give back from what he has given to us and the worship team's going to come up and we're going to have an opportunity to proclaim his goodness to us through song as well. So let's stand and join me in prayer if you would. Father God, first of all, we want to come before you and we want to lift you up and we want to honor you above all in our lives. God, we get distracted by ourselves and our selfish interests and putting ourselves first. We get distracted by our world and our culture and the things that we think are spinning out of your control but far from it. You are our great God on high and nothing that is happening in our world, in our lives, in our individual lives is outside of your control. You are a God who can be trusted. You are a God who loves. You are the creator of all, our heavenly Father. And so we worship you this morning. And Father, I thank you for the cross. I pray that each of us here would would be so changed by your love for us that we would be able to boast in the cross of Jesus, that that our thankfulness for you sending your son to die so that we might live, that that thankfulness would overflow, that we wouldn't be able to help it, but that people around us would see you in us, that if there's anything good in me, Father, if there's anything good in my friends in this room, if anyone in our sphere of influence, our coworkers, our fellow students, our neighbors, if there's anything good in us that they observe, God, may they know that it's not us, that it's Christ in us. May we, you help us to boast in you. Would you help us to proclaim you? God, we thank you that you have rescued us from sin and death and given us life in Jesus. If that is good news to me this morning, and God, if that is good news to the people out there this morning, God, I pray that you would change us, that our hearts and that our words and our actions would act like it's good news and proclaim it to those around us. God, would you send us out to live on mission in the everyday stuff of life, in the things we're already doing, in the people we already come in contact with. God, would you send us out on mission empowered by you to share our our excited boasting because of the hope we have in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.